1: This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for.
0: This is Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. Joining us today for a cup of coffee to talk about the sixth episode in the book of Boba
1: Fett is Tom Gross. Well, hello everybody. It's great to be here again. Another week of the book of Boba Fett. Oh my goodness. This has been so much fun. I really, really enjoyed the uh, the responses on social media that we got to the last our show about episode five. It was just great.
0: It was a great, it was a great time. I enjoyed revisiting the conversation with you. And thanks again, as you mentioned, everybody, for all their great feedback. It's truly appreciated. We love seeing your Feedback and your analysis in the CWK Cafe are exclusive. Well, it's not exclusive. It's just a Facebook group. But yeah. come in and hang out. We'll talk about some Star Wars in the Book of O'Fett. And today we're going to talk about From the Desert Comes a Stranger. Does that not sound like <laughs> a wonderfully pulpy title from
1: like a, a 60s Marvel comic book? Oh, my goodness. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I love that image. But yes, it does. It's so vague. <laughs> But is it? But is it? It's just so, wow, mysterious. Okay, let's do it. Letter grade, overall reactions. This is my Ralphie from Christmas Story, His Dream, where his teacher gives him an A plus, 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 (laughs) plus, 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 all the way around the room. But it's no dream, Dan. It's real. A plus, 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 plus this episode was gave me everything I didn't know I needed to know about Star Wars, and I just thought it was a magnificent, magnificently full of surprises. It drove the story forward. It developed characters in ways that I never thought that I would see some characters be developed. I mean, just uh, this is what I thought at the I don't know about halfway through the episode. I thought this might be the greatest thing since. Star Wars in 1977. Now, that sounds like a very extreme uh, statement, but as I was watching all the different layers of this episode from classic characters to semi-classic characters to new characters to new character legends to just all the stuff happened in this episode. There are just some things that took me way back to the very beginning.
0: That's beautiful. I love your Ralphie, A+++. Last week I said, if you hit (laughs) A and just keep hitting the keyboard and hit the plus, and I I made some sort of a silly (laughs) explanation. I think this episode is great proof. I think it, for me, it's beyond reproach. It's my favorite hour of television I've ever spent in my entire life on any show ever. Okay. The, The joy and jubilation I felt watching this and sharing this with my son and with all of you and us talking about it, I mean, it was, I didn't want it to end. I legitimately, I paused it and there was like 18 minutes left. And I said to Mason, I want this to last another three or four hours. It was, mm. I mean, there aren't enough superlatives. Last week, I thought it was perfection. I, I mentioned this on Twitter. This week, my heart is so full of joy and Star Wars happiness that I was floating on a cloud, yeah. uh, an N1 Starfighter cloud, <laughs> with a crate dragon skeleton on top of a Jawa <laughs> sand crawler. I mean, come on, let's just jump oh, into it. It was yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, what's gonna be better than this? I feel like I've said it a lot
1: for this. Yeah. Every week is a stair step.
0: It is, that's exactly right. And this one, uh, at the beginning, the way it kicks off, so at the end of the last episode you know i've got to pay a visit to a little friend or my little friend or whatever he says mm-hmm. so you you hope for some surprises and some reunions mm-hmm. uh, and then we get in a reunion right off the bat that i was not expecting talk to me about your reactions to the to the opening sequence before we transition back to the mandalorian
1: yeah i this is not this i I don't know. I don't even know um, where my mind was going with this, but this is where we, I'm trying to now I'm like so much again. Sorry. I'm, I'm blabbering here. So much happens in this episode that you may need to give me a little bit of a refresher. This is where we're reintroduced to Cobb Vance. Is that correct? That's right. Cobb Vance. That's right. Cobb Vance steps in and give me the scene a little bit. I'm so sorry.
0: No, don't be. So, uh, so we, we see like um, it sweeps down, and we see like some moisture evaporators, yes. uh, percolating or whatever they're doing, and then yep. there's a a land speeder with uh, four pikes, mm. and then uh, suddenly it pans out, and we see the familiar appearance, Sands yes. fed armor of Cabanth.
1: That's right. Thank you for that. I was I was getting later Sands instances would be with without yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I, I was getting later instances of Cobb Vance mixed with this one. So I apologize for that. Yes. What a one. Oh, this was great. You know, when you see those, when you see the top of those water evaporators, you know, exactly where you are in the galaxy, you know, you're on the t- planet of Tatooine, which is the common setting for uh, the book of Boba Fett. But it was nice to see that this is where we're beginning. And yeah, we see the, the pikes, we see a land speeder there, are the making a transaction. Um, and, and then we get the marshal. So let me tell you exactly where my brain went when we see Cobb Vance standing there to engage with these four pikes. This, The writer of this clearly understood, I don't know, what, who, am I, who am I to say this? But I felt like they clearly understood, read the essence of Cobb Vance from Chuck Wendig's books, um, the... And know um, it's escaping me the, the series title of those books. Aftermath. Thank you. Yes. I'm looking at my shelf and I can't see him over there. So this was the Cobb Van that I, I pictured in my head from the Aftermath series. He's just the marshal. He's cocky. He knows he's good. And I love when he, he says, from that horizon over there to that horizon over there, everywhere you can see between. That's, that's, that's my territory. And I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And I love his negotiation skills, how he he gives choices. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We know as educators that when you're dealing with discipline, choices are a good thing to avoid immediate conflict. And so Cobb Vance is using the best skills uh, to negotiate this out. Well, we know from... Solo, we know from Clone Wars, and we know from maybe a few other places in books that the, the, the pikes don't necessarily negotiate well when they feel they have the upper hand. And so you get a, a brief gunfight with one left, and Cobb Vance standing there with the pistol saying, You're the smart one, and gives them the message. You know, we're you, we are not going to put up with Spice coming through here. Anyone who comes through is going to get lost. It just showed me the power that Cobb Vance has. He doesn't have to have the armor, which I think is an interesting, which is an interesting uh, uh, comparison to our conversation about three or four episodes ago when I was saying that I felt like Boba Fett felt he couldn't be Boba Fett without the armor. And here we have Cobb Vance, who is as confident without the armor as he was with the armor, and so I don't know if there's any hmm. intent to that or not, but I just I found that to be an, an interesting thing that crossed my mind as I watched this scene and when the speeder flies away, the speeder with the pike drive uh drives away, he left the the the, the small chest of spice, and I love the cinematography here, classic. Hmm classic Western you get Cobb Vance walking up, looking straight down and the camera is down low and you get Cobb looking straight down at the bottom, at the bottom, he kicks the chest over with his foot and you see the spice mix in with the wind and the sand. And, and we know from many other stories that I mentioned earlier, that's a lot of dough that he just kicked over into the sand as a Tatooine. So powerful, powerful opener.
0: It was it was such a wonderful surprise. I gasped. I said, "It's Cobb Vanth," and I was so happy to see him. I like that character. I think he's super cool. And there's something so—I mean, we talk about this being more of a western than anything. And boy, oh boy, when you see Timothy yeah. Oliphant stroll in there the way that he does, I—I uh, I like what you said about his the way he negotiates, the way he—he—he he, he, he delivers like a machismo threat with such. Smoothness, and you you almost don't know if he's gonna like you know buy you dinner or shoot you. And it's just (laughs) fascinating to me. I just love that delivery, it's so classic Western, it's just brilliant. He's the fastest gun in the West. One of, Mm -hmm. and then there's uh, out of the four pikes, there's only one survivor. He offers, like you said, he lets him uh, leave, but then he makes him say leave the chest behind as a fine for trespassing. And then when he kicks it over, I was there. I'm glad that he just kicked it away and and just disregarded it as you know, this is drugs, this is trash, Mm -hmm. and he gets rid of it. So actually, allowed me and Mason to have a very interesting conversation about why that was important, which is very cool. So it was when you see it set up like this, and this episode was written by Dave Filoni. This is the first episode not written by Favreau. This is written by Filoni. But directed okay. by both he and Favreau, and you can tell right away the sensibility of this, and the establishment of character of the Pikes. The Pikes as villains, I think, are interesting because they're just scumbags, uh, and they just—they clearly are, have no uh, compassion. They're all the ones that we've ever met in Star Wars. Yeah. So then, it, then we 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 transition to something that for some reason I was not prepared for. You know, we know we're going to see his little friend. We know who his little friend left with at the end of season two of Mandalorian. But when I saw R2-D2 whirling around with his sensor and the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. saying, hello, friend, saying friend to a droid, which again, we mentioned last week how much the Mandalorian has grown. That took my breath away and I was clapping like an like a 4-year-old at a birthday party. I was just so so overjoyed by this. Did
1: you have a similar reaction? Absolutely. They do that pan down from the from the trees to his sensor and you're like R2D2. I mean, R2D2 always brings that out in me, the child, because mm-hmm. you know, that's how long we've been friends with R2D2. Yeah. And uh and yeah, I thought his rea- the reaction to him was was pleasant as well although there are other times in later in this uh in this scene where he calls him droid and uh gets a little frustrated mildly frustrated frustrated that's a good yeah i was gonna say cross but yeah frustration is better but but it was it was lovely to see r2d2 and you know when r2d2 is around someone else is around as well
0: yeah, so hearing the Mandalorian say the name Skywalker was,
1: was mm.
0: a wonderful piece of Star Wars adrenaline for me because Luke's name isn't mentioned in that episode. You know, I would love to see sort of what happens between the end of season two and where we meet him in, in the Book of Boba Fett. But that was amazing. And then we see the only reason I know the name of these creatures is because I had the closed captions on. They're ant droids and they're building something, Tom. That, you know, I I say to Mason, they're building the Jedi temple that we see in the flashbacks from The Last Jedi. This is going to be Luke's school, and we're seeing it built. Uh, At one point, the Mandalorian realizes he has to wait, and they're building him a bench. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't get much more (laughs) clever than that. And then something surprising happens with RTD2 that I think could be a nice metaphor, although not necessarily on the Mm -hmm. same level as the Darksaber in the last episode. R2-D2 shuts off. What do you make of any of
1: that? Yeah, well, first of all, I loved... Yeah, I had the same realization that, oh, I've seen this temple somewhere before. As it gets clearer, closer to completion, I have to say, the first minute we saw those, those ant droids, and that's what, exactly what I uh, thought they looked like, by the way, is ants. Mm-hmm. Um, they were busy bees, and we've seen ants working that way, where they have a pattern and a path and all that. But at first, I was like, oh, this this brings me that creepy feeling of when they were, um, on the ice planet and those spiders, you know, uh, the, the krinkas? yeah, the krinkas, Yeah. And that just sort of made me cringe at first, but I realized that they, <laughs> that they had a very, they had a very clear purpose and they had, they had six legs and not eight. So I felt, I felt better about that. And yeah, it became very clear what they were doing. Um, but yeah, that was a great moment seeing, uh, that temple being built. I mean, that's, that's some of the stuff that I love about this series and just Star Wars in general we've been we've been friends with this story for so long not only in timeline of Star Wars but in our in our lives you know Dan you and I were in our single digits in age when Star yes. Wars came out and we've grown up with it through film and TV and and books and comic books so it's such a it's such an exciting moment when you get to see something Either before or after you knew what it was, you know what I mean. So here, mm-hmm. here we get to see that. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've been since you said it. I the metaphor of R two shutting off is uh, it kind of reminds me of um, of like Luke's when when Yoda says to Luke, you know, be patient and wait, and and so R is just going to be patient and he shuts off. I'm sure that's not it, but that's kind of what it made me feel like. Is is this is a place of meditation? And so, before we take you to see uh, Luke or whomever we're going to go see, uh, we need to wait. And so, the R2 instructs the androids to build the bench. And, and Tinjarin is just, you see, you know, at the opening. He lays of last down episode, and takes a nap. Yeah. At, <laughs> at the beginning of last episode, he's so confident and he's so violent and he gets, he gets what he wants. But this is different. This is not. And I'm really liking the way that we'll probably talk about this a little bit more, but it was established last episode where where, you know, you have the Mandalorian way and you have the Jedi way and they they are separate things. And so when Din Djarin is in the world of of the Jedi or Grogu's world, he's very unsure of himself and mm-hmm. asks a lot of questions. And he, he th- are you building a bench? Th- am I supposed to wait? Hey, and he like waves his hand in front of R2D2, which kind of reminded me of C3. <laughs> Sometimes we treat R2 that way. Um, and he sits down and he waits like a little boy. Um, or, or or I've had that experience where my children are in the doctor's office <laughs> and I'm waiting out in the uh, waiting room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that feeling as well. So I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you have to say about R2D2's shutdown patients.
0: You know, I don't even know what I think. I just remember thinking this is this is important, but not necessarily yeah. narratively heavy. But I do think there's a part of it that R2-D2, I like that you mentioned, uh, you know, we grew up with him. And, and as kids, that's the feeling he gave us, and he still continues mm-hmm. to give us that feeling whenever we see him in any different kind of a medium. So he's very childlike. A childlike with an attitude, of course, but, you know, that's, that's sometimes par for the course as well. Yeah. And I love the fact That who knows what kind of agreement he or I don't know what I'm assuming R2 is referred to as the he that R2 and Ahsoka and Luke have with one another. But I love the fact that he is so like, I don't know how to handle this. (laughs) Yes, I'm just going to shut down. We've never seen R2D2 do that before. This must be Mm -hmm. very heavy. This must be very important. And if that has been conveyed to R2D2, who's very brave and very brash and is certainly not someone, you know, you can't put baby in a corner. Speaking of Jennifer Beals, who's in this episode, you can't put R2D2 in a corner either, but he shuts down willingly to just disengage from the conversation. That's amazing to me. That to me, that that's about the significance and staying power of this particular moment. Uh, the next 10 minutes of this particular episode mm-hmm. more than anything else. And it's actually, you know, like in the, in Hamilton, they say, you know, talk less, smile more. This is kind of R2D2's way. You know, you don't know what, what I'm thinking or or what I feel about it. And I can't give anything away
1: if I just don't talk.
0: I I just think that's so clever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It also kind of reminds me of the Force Awakens where R2 is in Uh a low power state and, you know, and did, you know, did Luke instruct him to do that Um, until a certain moment or point. And so uh, so maybe a little foreshadowing of of a new behavior in R2-D2 at this point of the timeline. Yeah,
0: there's definitely a callback to that. That one's much more heavy of like, I don't have my master, more like Argus, mm-hmm. the the dog of Odysseus. But this one is more like, I don't know, that, That's definitely like a, a sort of, a, a, I think that's a playful wink to what will happen later with R2-D2 as well. Yeah. Or maybe Astro, old Astromex just run out <laughs> of battery quick. Maybe the USB doesn't reach all the way. I don't know the name of this planet. If it's out there and I missed it, okay. But I don't think think that's been officially said. It wasn't said when The Last Jedi came out either. It was an unknown place. So we'll see. Time will tell on that one. So as um, we transition again, we have uh, a, a change, but we're still on the same planet. Mm-hmm. And I don't even want to describe it. I just want, I just want you to, to start with us wherever you want to go. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to drop, let's just talk all the way up to where it rains frogs and we'll, we'll stop there. But tell oh, me sure. anything, you know, your reactions what
1: you noticed, anything that you think is important to chat about here, please. Well, this isn't, this isn't going to be a, a one time that I'm going to say this for this episode, but there was, I mean, that surprise moment, we have an expectation and the expectation is shattered because when Dinjarin pops awake, well, I guess uh, actually R2 comes awake, which mm-hmm. causes uh, the Mandalorian to come awake and we see Ahsoka standing there. Oh, I don't no, not even,
0: even before that.
1: Oh, before that? Yeah, because Ahsoka doesn't show up for a while.
0: Um, oh, she I thought up. she
1: woke him up when he was on the bench. Okay.
0: Uh she does, but before that, uh we we pan to nature and Grogu and Luke and
1: Frogs. Oh I'm so sorry. Yes. My goodness, my timeline of this episode is just all out of whack. No, that's okay. we it was a so snow much, day. So much happening. <laughs> <laughs> that must be it. I'm not on my A game. So yes. We go to the meadow, we get several flash uh sort of flashes through the forest. And we go to the um, meadow where we see Grogu first, and then we see that he's sitting across um, a grassy, small, grassy uh, area with Luke. And they're both in meditation, Mm -hmm. um, but in in so childlike fashion grogu becomes distracted by a frog which we know we've had we've seen grogu and his attention when frogs are around (laughs) and so in many different places (laughs) um but so he loses he loses focus and uh and sort of kind of eyeballs and then he closes his eyes and tightens them harder and tries to focus but then his eye opens and he puts his hand out and we see the frog lift into the air. And it's just a, you it's know, it, it's just it, lovely. It, How did you feel so when cute. you first saw Grogu and look like actually
0: seeing them? What, what did you think?
1: Oh, I mean, so I watched this by myself early this morning and then I watched it again later with my family, which is an unusual thing because my family is mediocre on the star Wars thing. They, they, they're not haters of star Wars or anything, but it's just not their It's just not their cup of tea but they do love Grogu. And so when I said, you guys, everybody in the family needs to watch this episode. If for nothing else, I'm just going to give you the preview that that you're going to see your little green friend again. And so everyone in the family watched and everyone was really entranced. And so when we, when, when they bring that camera down under Grogu sitting by himself uh, in meditation, I mean, the squeals and the, Oh, you know, all of that, it was just, how do you say it? it? It was just, it was like seeing a baby that you haven't seen in a while and the baby just brings you such joy. And cause you love the innocence, you love the little baby mischief and all that kind of thing. And we've missed, I feel like I've missed Grogu as much as apparently Din Djarin has. I mean, I didn't fly mm-hmm. across the galaxy for it, but I've waited several months a year for it to see Grogu again. And so it was just a, it was, it was such a sweet moment. When I watched it on my own, I was happy for it. I really didn't know that I was expecting to see Grogu in this episode. Um, I really kind of thought it was a preview for future series or something like that. But nonetheless, here we are. And what a great... Oh, my goodness. It was just so fun to see him. And then I I thought, am I going to see Luke? And sure enough, there was Luke right across the way. And man... That, when I, in the opening, when I said, you know, this takes me back to, you know, the original Star Wars, and maybe I didn't mean 1977, but certainly the original trilogy, mm-hmm. seeing Luke like that, um, youthful and. You know, being what he wanted to I mean. I don't know that he really wanted or knew that that's what he wanted. But you saw, you know, when he, when you're the last Jedi. <laughs> okay, when you're you know one of the last Jedi, and you've been trained by Yoda, you know what you know what's going to come. And so here he is with his first pupil. Oh, I mean, what a wonderful moment! So surprisingly, I, there's just a lot
0: to unpack with this particular one. But when you see the nature and all the green and the wind and the environment, it's just very lush and full of life. And that's where the force is. The force, you know, connects all living things, surrounds us, penetrates us, Mm -hmm. binds the galaxy together. And so you just know that that's what's going to happen. And I didn't even though I knew or I didn't know, but you just, I mean, how could you not think I'm going to see my little friend? You you hope beyond hope that you're going to see Grogu. But I do that thing in my brain where I don't allow myself to believe it. Until I see it. Because oh. otherwise I'm going to be disappointed. And, or I thought, well, maybe that'll be another tease and we won't find out until the end. Or maybe it will be like a post-credit sequence and we won't see it till season three of The Mandalorian. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So when I saw it right away, again, it took my breath away, but but I felt like you said, it was like it was it wasn't like you felt like you were a child. You're with one of your favorite children that isn't actually real and isn't actually your child. And I was just overjoyed. I put my hands up in the air and Mason did too. And we just smiled and smiled and smiled. Like, uh, you know, again, sidetracking a little bit. uh, The the frustration or or criticism that people have about who they're seeing or who they're not seeing in this episode. If that moment doesn't bring you joy, I don't know. I don't have anything else for you. I don't have anything Mm. else to offer. That was so joyous and wonderful. And surprisingly, when they panned Luke, I was just like, oh, yeah, there's Luke. And I didn't freak out like I did with Cobb Van oh. <laughs> and R2-D2 and Greg- And I don't know why that should be the most shocking of all time. But it isn't because of the magnificence of the end of, you know, the Mandalorian oh. season two when Luke shows up. That being said, I was mesmerized by him. And I almost felt I almost felt like spoiled. I felt incredibly and grossly spoiled. That was seeing Luke Skywalker post-Return of the Jedi younger mm-hmm. interacting with Grogu. I felt, I mean, I, I felt spoiled rotten. Like I was going to get a Star Wars cavity for all the sweetness <laughs> going on. And I think that's great. Like that made me very, very happy. But I just, I just thought it was worth noting that it just, I was more taken aback by Grogu than I was by Luke. I don't, yes. I don't know why. I don't know why it doesn't matter. Cause I, I, again, I thought it was just purely wonderful. And then Grogu lifts the, the frog, the one eyed frog, yeah. and and I said to Mason, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if he tried to eat it?" And he did. And then oh. Luke's like Grogu here in Luke say the word Grogu, very special. Yeah. And then Luke does something I don't know. Uh, is it ostentatious? They holds out his hand, and he lifts like all the frogs up, and then they just casually drop. Like I know what he was trying to do similar to what Yoda did with the size matters nothing with lifting the X-wing but mm-hmm. this well, that was much more dire cuz Luke felt like he had to leave this was just uh, a warm fuzzy moment but did it did it feel a little like show offy to you
1: oh i thought he was teaching him a lesson
0: yeah oh i, did I don't too. know ex-
1: i don't know exactly what the lesson was i thought i found it to be amusing actually very... you know, and and one thing i uh, as far as creators of this go the expression in the puppet Mm. of grogu Mm. the facial expressions i don't know if it's cgi if it's all puppet or a mixture of both probably both but the expressions are priceless in this scene everything from his mouth opening and closing when the frog is hovering above it to his eyes when when luke is holding his arm to the side and we see that all the frogs are in the air but grogu quite hasn't seen that yet and we get to see the camera angles on both of them looking through the frogs floating in the air, and you can see Grogu's face. And when he looks over and realizes the frogs are there, did you notice his eyes went wider than than normal? Yes. And his mouth opens up like in just awe. I didn't. I I guess I didn't. I didn't think of it as being a show off feeling. I I guess I felt like it. It was a way to show. You know, don't limit yourself. Don't limit your powers, oh, yeah. you know, and all of that. But I thought it was, I thought it was a fun moment. We all got a kick out of it. And, and, uh, my oldest daughter said, Oh, it's Cyclops frogs. <laughs> uh huh. Totally. As if she had just read the Odyssey or something hey, last semester. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, trust
0: me. I agree. I mean, it was definitely a lesson showing don't limit yourself. Look at your, you're moving on, but look what you can do. I, to me, it was yeah. almost like an extended, uh, commercial for this is what the force can do for you. Yeah. If this is yeah. something that you're that inspires you or moves you, this is how you can truly connect with the force. Don't you know, I think Grogu spent such a long time hiding his abilities as Ahsoka taught us in season two of Mandalorian, that it's probably you know, he's rusty and he's having to remember things that he had told himself to forget. And this is an yeah. example of no, this is actually where you can be. But I do feel like it's important. And I don't want to beat a dead horse or a dead frog here. But <laughs> Luke in The Last Jedi talking about the hubris of the Jedi. Um, and you get the sense that he felt like he was sort of reading uh, all of the promos too and sort of drinking the Jedi Kool-Aid. This is an s- example of that, a very small example of that. And I think it's fascinating.
1: Mm. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So, so uh, after that, there's a very quick uh, scene where they're walking together. And they walk <laughs> through this forest, a bamboo forest. And mm-hmm. he mentions Yoda. He says Yoda was small like you, but he had a huge heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he s- explains that, he talked to me about size mattering. not. And he explained, you know, Yoda talked in riddles. I've never heard in canon, someone say that I can remember Mm-mm. Yoda talked in riddles. It, it, I, you always kind of think, well, it's backwards thinking it's like a formal older thing, or no one ever really know. But he says Yoda talked in riddles. And then, after that we yeah. see order 66 yeah through grogu's eyes and and you just think to yourself again yet again my cup is runneth over i didn't know when or if i would ever see this and seeing it like this and done so beautifully and so hauntingly mm-hmm. it's just something that really stuck with me
1: it was such a I didn't know what I was going to see when Luke when Luke puts his hand and said, "Would you like to see your pass? And it doesn't really give Grogu a chance to respond, although Grogu doesn't verbally he f- respond. He
0: flinches, but he also
1: yeah. kind of puts his head up. Too. Yes, yes, I agree. And um, and yeah, when we see Order sixty six, so something that really jumped out at me in this episode that started here is. It's, there's something about, and I, now I want I, I just, to, I just rewatched all the Mandalorian season one and season two episodes, and now I wish I could remember if I, I didn't note this then, but in this episode with Grogu, I noted how much we see through the reflection of Grogu's eyes. When they are showing that battle with the clones, and the, he has three Jedi protectors in front of him, and who knows who else is down that hall or corridor with him. Um, but much of that battle is seen while with us looking at Grogu, but we can see the battle through, like through the reflection of his eyes. We can see the laser bolts firing in his eyes, and wonder as we we see him in so many different ways. I mean, this almost. I don't know that this felt dangerous necessarily to Grogu at that moment. I couldn't. I couldn't really tell, except except in that last shot of him when after the, the Jedi had perished and the clones were starting to run down mm-hmm. the corridors. The first time we really saw fear in his eyes. Before yeah. that, I felt like it was just wonder, wonder in Grogu's mm-hmm. eyes. Um, but but that was um that was again an unexpected moment of this episode. Where we we see a little bit, and I kind of peeked at my family when we were there watching that. Right before when he says, "Would you like to see what happens?" or "Would you like to remember?" Would you like to remember? Yeah. And I looked. I looked, and everybody in my family was entranced with the with the te- television. And uh, that that was as a as a dad Star Wars fan looking at my family, just completely enthralled by this moment of the story because they know how important that is. Mm-hmm. Um, even as just casual viewers of it um and but can I say right before that the it wasn't necessarily i don't think intentionally to, tended to be comic relief, but the way in which Luke and Grogu walk and stroll together, oh. where <laughs> Luke uses the force to bring grogu a little forward yeah. and then walks and then carries him forward i just that was, that was great. I loved that it was
0: adorable, um, and also yeah. like you know grogu loved it.
1: It's, it's yeah. relationship, you know, you see, mm-hmm. because the concern was at the end of The Mandalorian season two was, can Grogu mm-hmm. make that separation from the Mandalore, from Din uh-huh. And so here we see that Luke and Grogu have this sort of moment, not moment, but like this, this tradition of when they go for a walk, <laughs> this is how Grogu keeps up. And so I just, I just thought that was, it was such a sweet moment. And laid right up is almost like a swing, like
0: a force swing.
1: Yeah, you know they didn't build the
0: play- the androids were not building a
1: playground. They built a bench, but they didn't build it's swing. So he's able to do that. It's like when you walk with your children with your wife or or your partner, and and uh-huh. you you take the hands of the children, and you swing them f- f- forward yep. and backwards. It exactly. was just like that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Luke is interesting
0: in this episode because he's stoic. He's extraordinarily patient. Um, and you can also tell that he's a little uh, nervous. I mean, he's got a little bit of stage fright about thinking about being an instructor, which we see later, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, he says to Grogu, the galaxy is a dangerous place, yeah. but so I can teach you to protect yourself. As a teacher and a parent, I don't necessarily like that idea of teaching people to be afraid. Isn't that antith- antithetical to the idea of the force and the light side as well? But I don't, it's not really necessary to tell him to be afraid. I think, again, I think he's trying to sell Grogu a product. I, I, not a product, in, but as the Force is a product, but more like I can tell that your heart isn't in it. He does say that later. He's trying to convince him why he needs the Force. It's an interesting tactic. I, I can't say I would have done it any differently, uh, especially if I lived in a fictional universe and, and I, it was Star Wars
1: and I was Luke Skywalker. But I do think it's at least worth pointing out. I noted that that line as well. It didn't seem consistent in my mind, but I hadn't. I'm glad. That, once again, these conversations are so good because I hadn't thought of that that idea that at this point Luke recognizes that Grogu is is still being resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, as a viewer of the show to this point, I. I can't say that I've seen anywhere where Grogu is necessarily resistant to anything Luke is doing. Uh -uh. He's just being a kid and watching a frog jump across. But that, yeah, that, that line makes a lot more sense now in, in hindsight, because as you said, in that conversation with Ahsoka later on, he says, you know, he's reluctant or, or what, what's the language he uses? To describe Grogu's feelings toward the Force, um, uh, when, he, when
0: he says that is he's not convinced that his uh, heart, yeah. is in it. yeah, yeah. But uh, sometimes so, I wonder if his heart is in it. That that's he heart is in it. Yes. Yeah.
1: So after the fact, going back to this moment, that that line makes a lot of sense because he is trying to, he is trying to sell something. He's trying to. It's not sell. It's he's trying to persuade him what yeah. as a parent as a parent often does to a child you try to persuade them of what's best for them because uh-huh. you're the adult they're the child that's right and so so yeah that's that makes a lot of sense now because that didn't seem like a line of the jedi i'm i'm, I'm teaching to protect yourself in a dangerous universe or galaxy right, right. so yeah good, and in good call oh yeah thanks
0: and it's interesting too that even though grogu is a kid and like almost an infant he doesn't. Sometimes he's not an infant, so it's a very mm-hmm. interesting challenge to uh, create this character, to write this character, and interact with this character. But Luke, Luke gets it. So let's let's go to one major thing before we do a break. I've still got like ten more things I want to talk about. Before we do <laughs> There's a, break a lot on this episode. There is a lot, but we we he wakes up from his nap. The Mandalorian does yeah. like he grabs his his pistol, and there we have. Oh. Lady Tano herself, Ahsoka Tano. Um, I see you shaking your head. I, I oh, Whoa! Is this I the biggest not. surprise? Is this the? I, no,
1: actually, no. There's one bigger. No, there's but a this bigger was, surprise. Man,
0: this was this was crazy to me.
1: I know this this was a big enough surprise for one episode, and we get hit with yes. two later on. But this was so. Oh, it was so heartwarming. It was like a, a best friend who knocks on the door after being gone and you didn't know they were coming back. It was so, it was such a, like, I don't know how else to say it. It was just it was just a heartwarming moment. And to see Din Djarin's reaction to her, um, and the, I don't know how far you want to go, but the, the discourse between the two of them you realize how—not that I question this—but you realize how wise Ahsoka is mm-hmm. through this conversation they have, and she she really challenges him and recognizes that he he's a novice in this whole thing. He's you know he's not he's in Rome and he's not doing what the Romans do, and so she she challenges him lots of different ways. But I'll I'll let you talk about your reaction to her being there and we can go into that a little bit more.
0: Uh, yet another gasp. I'm surprised someone didn't try to give me CPR the amount of times I gasped <laughs> in this episode. It, it you know, seeing her and it's Rosario Dawson, I now it's taken me well over a year, but now I'm all in with Rosario Dawson as a Socatano. Yeah. All in. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad about that. Um but of course Ashley will still always be Ahsoka to me, but, but I'm, I'm very at peace with this now because of the portrayal of this, the grace that she exudes through this character, who we've said, you and I, and many have said many times, one of our favorite characters in all of fiction, Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. Absolutely. Just exquisite. But when she says right away, you know what brings you here? She says, I'm an old friend of the family. Your fireworks explode in your chest. Because of her connection with Anakin Skywalker, who was her Jedi uh, master,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, so he says, "I want to go see the kid. I want to see Grogu." Um, again, the the charm in the Mandalorian's voice. He's just he's just a very he's much more gregarious than I think he, we ever would have dreamed at the beginning of season one. So she says, "Let's go take a walk." She talks to him about attachments. Uh, he, you know, Mandalorian. This to me, this whole episode is an, is an example of. A parent letting go of their child as they go off to boarding school, or they go off to college, or or, or they go off to high school, or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But but she's he's, you know I just want to make sure that Grogu was safe. And she says, and she kind of puts her hands together, and she breaks character a little bit, not as an actor, but just like Ahsoka herself is more like, even she's enthralled by Luke Skywalker, and you can tell because she puts her hands together and she expands them. And she says, there's no place in the galaxy safer than with Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes me so like, I'm high fiving the kid in me so hard when that happens, she says, Grogu's got a choice. And, you know, it's tricky because she says, are you doing this for Grogu? Or are you doing this for yourself? And that as a parent, that's got to hit you because absolutely. How often are, do we do things Sometimes, when ostensibly it's for our kids, but really it's for us in our relationship with our kids, uh, and in almost selfishly. I mean, that that's human. Look, I'm as guilty of that as anybody. I'm a parent of three boys, and I I, I understand that emotion. That really spoke to me. Um, so he says, "You know, well, Grogu's a foundling," and Ahsoka says, "Yeah, or maybe Grogu's a Padawan." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then the Mandalorian does something I think really smart. He says, "Either way." This armor will protect him, which means to me, look, we can call him whatever he wants. I want him to choose, of course, but I just want him to be safe. He can call himself wherever he wants. He can join Jedi or Mandalorian or whatever he wants to do. I want him to be safe. Um, and then it, it becomes a situation where Ahsoka says, if he sees you, it will only be, it will only make things more difficult for him. The Mandalorian looks at that. He looks up at Grogu and Luke way in the distance and he turns around without a fuss and walks away. Again, showing us uh, the superior mindfulness of this character, the in, in impossibly wonderful inner strength that he has, and why he is the best dad in Star Wars, in the history of Star
1: Wars. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, this one really hit me hard. Um this moment um when Ahsoka walks him to that spot where they can see across, you know, they can see the two of them up on the hill and you see Luke lean over and, you know, interact with Grogu in some way, taps him on the head or something. And again, we've said this so many times through the seasons 1 and 2 of The Mandalorian into these episodes Where Pedro Pascal is an actor without using facial expressions, but communicating non-verbally through a helmet, he's so good. (laughs) He is so good. And when he looks up there, and they come they you know the the camera's back and forth, but when they on one particular moment they, they come to him and he says, But I've come so far. Oh, I, Dan, I have these moments where I see this and I see this moment. I'm like, my girls are one of my girls aren't too far away from college. And you've got, you've had one there and you've got one in there now. And I, I just have this imagination in my head where I travel so far to see my daughter at the college. And for one reason or not, I'm like, she's out of reach. And mm-hmm. that's, and that's where he is right now. And <laughs> Scary, and then he and then he says, "The what are his last words? Make sure he's safe." Or,
0: I think the last, yeah, I think it's it's either way the armor will protect him. And then she says, "If he sees you," and then then he doesn't say anything.
1: Yeah, and then he he just just turns and walks away. Turns and walks away with his head held high.
0: Yes, not in a proud
1: way, but just in like a a resolute peace. Yeah, and just. Wow what a what a powerful, powerful scene And you know I was just thinking and I don't know I don't have any idea what this means, but there's something about uh, that this idea that, that the Mandalorian comes here and like I said, he's out of his element and he's led twice. He's led by R2 to the temple being mm-hmm. built and he's and he's told this basically he he sleeps. He awakens to Ahsoka and Ahsoka leads him, but never to his actual goal. I've no idea what that means, but there's there just seems like there's something meaningful to being led twice and then he has sleep in between. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's it like is. Short, but... Is it a short rest or a long rest? <laughs> no, that would be a short rest. Yeah, he didn't yeah. gain any full spells back on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, it <laughs> but it is no, nice I just, though, it... with the, go ahead. Yeah, it, no, I just, it's almost like he has a mini journey to his discovery of like mm-hmm. letting letting Grogu go, but leaving a little bit of himself with the uh, the the sh- the, ar- the shirt armor.
0: And I think it's so important that the first time Grogu and the Mandalorian in the Tano met, the planet was dark and dingy and rocky and, and foggy and hazy. Here, it's beautiful and lush and green and sunny. And clear. Mm, That's yes. another example of uh, where they are internally from one to the next. Oh,
1: love that. Yes. Nice.
0: So yeah, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk Phew. about Grogu doing some training, uh, an important conversation between two characters I never thought would talk. And then <laughs> the reveal. Uh, oh, the reveal. I'm not going to, yeah, we'll get to that. This yep. is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Vanessa Marshall, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. We're back talking about this incredible episode, the sixth chapter in the Book of Othet. From the desert comes a stranger. So this is where we get to see the training, uh, training sequence, an extended training training sequence. Uh, without um, a meat locker or Rocky Balboa doing sit ups on a balcony, but no, but still pretty cool, but fun. Grogu has to learn to jump. Uh, I'll just throw a bunch of things at her and we'll talk about him. Yep. Uh Luke says, Don't try, do it. And uh, a nice variation without riddles. Uh, and then Luke was wearing a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> this time, not with Yoda, but with Grogu. And I just love the bookmark of he is young. He wears a, a backpack with being taught. Now he's wearing a backpack with the same species of creature. But he, Luke is the teacher. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so good. Um, I, I really like so much of that. Um, my handwriting is so bad because I, I wrote so much stuff down while I was writing this. But basically... Uh there's a, there's a moment where he climbs the top of this bamboo that I want to talk about. Um, and then something with a training remote. So there's a lot to talk about. I'll I'll let you take it any order you want or whatever you want
1: to talk about. Yeah, there so I, it's just a couple of highlights on this. I mean the whole thing was a highlight. The whole scene was there, you know, we get some classic Star Wars music in in this whole in this sequence. This might have been what made me think. You know, Gee, this takes me back. It takes me so far back into Star Wars lore, and it's a you know it, it has that visual flashback mm-hmm. to Dagobah. Um, but some highlights of the training for for me and my family are the moment when Luke says jump. <laughs> we get to see Grogu do a little, dip. and really, that's all you can give me. That, yeah, was, so, all you that was so that was so loose. That's all. That was so Luke Skywalker or Mark Hamill or something. But it uh-huh. was it was all Luke Skywalker, and um and I and I really appreciated the layman's use of try, do uh-huh. that. I was I like, to. oh, that exact that exact that's exactly what that meant. <laughs> Thank you, mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker, for making that simple for me to understand. So you know, really enjoyed that when the when the um when he runs through the forest. Was wonderful, and uh, was it in this sequence where they're they're they've paused on the run and they see the Mandalorian ship take off? Ah, uh, um, yes. And yes. Grogu That's has the very very beginning. He okay, holds his hand and, out. Yeah, and he, yeah, he holds his hand out, and you just he mm, just no, oh, jeez. Anyway, it's like I can just imagine it, back in childhood being at camp someplace I'm going to have so much fun and learn so much. And I watch my parents drive away Um, anyway. (laughs) But so that, and then I think the other part of this whole training that I, that I thoroughly enjoyed was, um, was the, the, the ball when he introduces him to the, what is that calling in the the training training remote remote and Grogu tries rolling it like a child. Oh, he just, well, it just that's so cute. Made me feel I mean, no, that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then when it shoots him and he jumps back and falls down, that got lots of response from my family. And I said, just wait. And Krogu learns very quickly. Um, do we want to talk? Are we gonna save the conversation between Luke and Ahsoka at the end of this training sequence for yeah. reactions? Yeah. Okay. So just his, the way he acclimates to the training with the, with the probe and leaps across the rocks and all that was just nice to see. And I, I, I like to believe in my mind that this all didn't happen on the same day, but maybe it did, you know, that this, that he's, he's done some of this training in advance that it wasn't immediate that it happened. But, um, but still, you know, the concern Dinjarin has is, is he okay? And is he safe? We can confirm for him now that, you know, if we saw Dinjarn on the street, we could say, Hey, Grogu's in good hands. Cause that's what we just saw. It was, it was, it was cute. It brought back wonderful memories and flashbacks to the past. And we can see that, that Grogu is growing, not There's- coming of age yet, but growing. Right, no, for sure. That, that well said, well said. Um,
0: so the the thing that stands out to me about this is because I like teaching the Hobbit. There is a, a beautiful scene uh, in the flies and, and spiders chapter. I think it's chapter nine. I don't remember exactly, but I think it's chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Chapter nine. And there's a moment where Bilbo has to climb the top of this tree, and they're in this oh, dark, dingy forest. And when he gets to the top he looks around at the horizon and he sees butterflies and, and the lush greens and the sunlight. And there's just this moment that I've always loved where Tolkien is clearly telling us, you know what? We're all connected. This is nature. Things aren't as bad as they seem. There's a lot of life. And then happens here. Like I would be shocked if it just didn't somehow inspire Feloni and Favreau. I don't know Mm -hmm. that it did, but to me, there was just almost a one-one. When he climbs up there, he says, a wide world exists in balance. Feel the force around you. When he says that, the wind starts to blow. And they both close their eyes and the wind hits their faces. He says, through the force, you will find balance as well. And then we get the sequence of of Grogu standing on that little, uh, the dock, basically. Mm uh and then we watched luke doing saber forms which i thought was cool we'd never seen we've seen uh, ray do that in the last shot but that was super cool the train remote and then when grogu falls down he gets blasted by the remote i'm like oh and mason goes it's all right dad it's not really a blaster I'm like that's true it's a stun or it's not even that it's just a it shocked him but grogu jumps up and coos like he's not upset he's not traumatized he's mm-hmm. grogu's tough and he's 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 in it to win it man and luke says get back get up always get back up and that I feel like that's sort of a modern world thing to say, but uh, no less important. Like the great moment at the end of captain Marvel, when Brie Larson's captain Marvel stands up. So I like uh, so much about that as seeing them train together, uh, seeing Grogu not only learn to jump, but do some hardcore flips with grace. Like he's clearly done it before. Mm -hmm. And then, so then now let's switch to the scene Look, besides the ending part, when I saw, when I realized that Ahsoka Tano, like you hope it's going to happen. I even said before this happened, I said to Mason, I hope they don't do this to me where they, where I'm so close to seeing Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano talk to each other. I, I, please deliver. And it, and it happens. Ahsoka Tano and Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker are looking at each other and talking and smiling and I, again, you're, you're, that's like why I said, this is, I got so many Star Wars cavities. There was so much sweetness and so yeah. much wonderful that I just couldn't contain it. What did you think about seeing these two together and, and talk about anything in their conversation that stands out to you? There's a lot of great stuff here.
1: Yeah, this was, I was so excited for this to happen and th- thought that it legitimately might not yeah. Um same because it, it was as likely that she would leave when Din Djarin left. Mm-hmm. And so when Are she they weren't even on
0: the same planet
1: at first, I thought, until they see them right, all together. Oh, yeah, right. So and apparently they've had conversations before uh, oh, yeah. that we we have we haven't seen. So um so that was to me that was interesting and in that there, that there is a history, uh, maybe just briefly, but there is a history between the two of them because they they talk knowingly. I think the most notable thing for me out of this conversation, well, two things. One is Luke, when he is instructing, is very confident. He uses his knowledge that he learns from Yoda in, in giving that to Grogu. He uses his lines, simplifies them to, to wait, does not speak in riddles like Yoda did. Um, <clears throat> but when she shows up and he has a conversation with her, I wondered what the relationship would be like, because he's a powerful Jedi and, and, but he instantly kind of becomes, do you think I'm doing the right thing? I sense, you know, he's, his heart's not, he like questions her Mm -hmm. in, in, as if he as if he doesn't know what he's doing, which I thought was interesting when, so what that did for me with their relationship was, like, I had to really stop and think, oh, yeah, Ahsoka's Padawan, or Ahsoka was the Padawan of, of Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker happens to be Luke's father. And so, like, lots of stuff just was running through my head as they had that conversation and um and then it took me back to that line when she says part of the family that then i was like oh yeah that's when that that line hit me but it was interesting that they have a mutual respect neither one of them acted or seemed higher than the other luke sought her advice um in fact if anything i felt like luke was like Luke acted like she was more of the superior, especially at the end when he says, will I see you again? As if he desires to have her, you know, just Jedi companionship to for mentoring and discussing and have someone else to talk about, you know, the, the ways of the force and training and things like that. And so I found their relationship to be really interesting. I don't know that I had an expectation of what that might be if it ever happened, but it seemed pretty clear to me.
0: Yeah, no that I I'm I, I caught. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think the dynamic between the two of them is very important. Again, just seeing them together, seeing them interact, meant the world to me. It was just it was great. It was like two of my favorite characters, and seemingly separate timelines suddenly not separate at all. Yeah, and phew, I, I do want to talk about Luke and seeing him there and what he looked like. But we'll maybe say that for the end. Uh, but so when they're when they're t- chatting and he's they're watching Grogu, you know, you're doing a great job teaching him. And Luke says it's more like he's remembering than I'm actually teaching yeah. him anything. So there is some humility there. Maybe a uh, not necessarily in that line, but uh, there's an overall vibe of, of a little bit of insecurity, and, and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Again, we see that, that to me that is because that is through the last Jedi that which will happen later in Luke's yeah. life. The fact that Luke is frustrated with a lot of things and how they've happened and, and the hubris of the Jedi, and, and I think what he really means is the hubris of himself. Mm-hmm. And then we see, you know, sometimes hubris is there because it's uh, actually insecurity in disguise. Sometimes that happens. And just because, you know, you and I know this, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're good at teaching it now from what I've seen, Luke is an excellent teacher. He's great. Everything sure. he says, the way he does it is patience. He seems like a, a wonderful teacher to me, but, but I like the fact that there's a little bit of doubt there because that makes him more human. That, and again, that's to me, the more human Luke is, the more compelling Luke is. Uh, the Soka says sometimes the student guides the master, And that's when this is when Luke says, "Knows I wonder if his heart is in it." And then Ahsoka says that the second thing that's like the the home run of home runs, so much like your father. Yeah, (laughs) and and Luke just looks there and he smiles, not with like regret or contempt, but just just peace. Mm -hmm. Luke has made peace with this Vader thing, which of course he did. Uh, When they leave, you know, he says, "I'm not I'm not sure what to do." She says, "Trust your instincts," and he says, "Will I see you again?" And she says, perhaps there's a lot to mm-hmm. unpack just in those couple of, 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 those couple of lines of dialogue to me. I think we need to make something really, really clear and to me. This is my opinion. I think, again, my opinion, I think it's disingenuous to think. That. There is not a dynamic here that is is different. Ahsoka Tano is a superior Jedi to Luke Skywalker. It is silly to me. It's silly to think otherwise. Ahsoka Tano was trained to be a Jedi from birth. She was trained by Anakin Skywalker, Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yeah. Her entire life, her entire life. She survived Order 66 and the Jedi Purge. She's been trained with the lightsaber her entire life. Comparatively speaking, Luke Skywalker has done it. Uh, so, you know, A New Hope to the Empire Strikes Back is three years. And then Empire to Jedi is is one year. So that's four years. And then four years between this and the Mandalorian is about five or six years, depending on how much time has happened between season mm-hmm. one of Mandalorian and Book of Of. So seven, eight years, that that's very different. So experience wise and knowledge wise, Ahsoka has the edge. It's un it's unquestionable. Now who's more powerful? I also think that is unquestionable. It's Luke Skywalker. Of course it's Luke Skywalker. Mm, okay. That's why she says there's no more safer in the galaxy than with Luke Skywalker. Luke is the most powerful Jedi, period. Maybe even more than Anakin. I feel very comfortable saying that. But when it comes yeah. to experience and knowledge, it has to be Ahsoka. And you see him deferring to her. They both defer to each other. And I think that affirms sort of my belief. She defers to him as far as his power and his abilities. The fact that he is the person to teach Grogu. Plus, as we said earlier and we didn't talk about, Grogu chose Luke. Grogu didn't want to be taught by Ahsoka. She respected his choice. But he defers to her when it comes to wisdom and knowing what to do. She is somewhat of a mentor to him. And she should be because of her role in the Jedi hierarchy and the fact that she worked under Anakin Skywalker. And that respect and that mutual admiration, and almost when he says, well, I see you again, the way it's delivered, the way it's portrayed there, it's almost a little bit of like attachment of his own, and I don't mean romantically necessarily. No. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure that will be part of the discourse. I don't. I don't know that I see that per se. It's more like, I admire the heck out of you. You're super cool. I could learn a lot yeah. from you. Can you
1: stick around?
0: So again, a lot to unpack.
1: I mean, if, I mean, it could also just be. You knew my father before he was Darth Vader. Yes. You know, maybe they want maybe he wants more conversation about that. I also think about, you know, Luke knew Luke knew Obi-Wan at the end of his life. And you know, Ahsoka might want to know about that. You know, there's so much crossover that the two of them have that would be meaningful to both of them. That you know that that makes sense why Luke would have an interest in in, in her being around. Plus, as you mentioned, and I, I it was well said on the, the differences between the two of them. Power, most certainly. I personally, when you were talking about experience in Ahsoka, I kept thinking, but Luke, in my mind, is much more powerful than Ahsoka. So the way you stated that makes complete sense to me. Of course, it's always debatable, but I, that made a lot of sense to me. Um, Oh, there's something else I was going to say about that. Um, Well, I guess we can move on uh, because I can't think of what it was. If I think of it, I will mention it. Please do. Please do. Uh, So then they're
0: gone. And and then we go back to Mando and and there's a part of me that thinks, well, okay, we're we're done with Luke and Grogu for now, I would think. Mm -hmm. So Mando goes back to Tatooine. Uh, They've got their muscle. They've got a plan. They all get together. Seeing the Black... Seeing Black Chrysanthemum and the Mandalorian in the same room gives me joy beyond belief as well. <laughs> Again, the whole thing was like a love letter. Mm-hmm. I joked earlier about, uh, so he's got to go. says, we know we need soldiers. We need foot soldiers. And he says, I think I can help with that. He goes back to Cobb Vanth. Uh, on the way there, we see the, the Sandcrawler with the, the crate Dragon skull on top. How in the heck did those furry little critters get that thing on top of there? <laughs> we'll never know. But that was great fun.
1: They have um, a, they have a crane and pulley system.
0: Exactly. Well, of course. Yes, they're smart. Uh and so then he, he goes back and he sees Cobb Vanth. The the deputy there looked he's very striking and very familiar to me, and I don't really know why. I mean it's the actor, I don't know, but I like the role that he played. The deputy? When, yeah, the deputy. Yeah. Okay. When when Cobb Vanth walks out and sees the Mando, the uh-huh. rapport between the two of them is, is really pretty cool. Um I like that he says, you know, I haven't seen you. How are you? And he legitimately means it. And he says, I'm more careful. I'm more careful.
1: <laughs> and he says, where answer.
0: it is a great answer. And he says, where, what about your little friend? Uh, you know, uh, you've turned to his people and he says, I guess we both lost something we were fond of. I found that to be very touching. Uh, Anything about this conversation or the recruitment pitch in the actual canteen itself that you want to discuss?
1: Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask a question. What do you make of Cobb Vance interest in the Naboo starfighter? He seems so interested in, (laughs) I thought, did I miss something from somewhere in Cobb Band's story that he has or owns? Or he's no, a, he's it's a just ship a classic guy. Classic throwback to the to the
0: to the Galactic Republic. He hasn't seen that. No one's seen that for a really long
1: time, right? Yeah, so cool. Like I, lo- I loved his interest. Yeah. I thought I was hoping maybe some lore was going to come out of that.
0: No, that um, was just that. Just I think that's just fun. It's sort of an acknowledgement of the time that has passed. It's an antique. It's like having a fifty-seven Chevy.
1: Yeah. Right, exactly. So, so yeah, he takes him to the, to the tavern and he has the um, conversation with him about the recruitment of soldiers because of Spice. And we know that Cobb Vanth has seen this mm-hmm. potential conflict coming. So I was a little surprised when he seemed a bit reluctant with it. And then the bartender tosses in, it's Freetown now and uh which i think is what they call it in the aftermath series it's yeah Freetown, i was right? glad about
0: that on facebook live earlier this week uh we were, we were i was calling it moss pelgo and some people said well isn't it called Freetown?" and i said well i think it's a different place uh maybe not it didn't seem it wasn't quite sure if it was the same but now this is where it's we find out you know what they have changed the name it is the same place but they've changed it to Freetown. So it was pretty cool that our our facebook live friends were pointing that out and then it it came to fruition right away
1: yeah free from the dragon free from the threat of tuscan raiders i mean they you know they probably felt you know a a laugh of their shoulders for that name change although personally i like mouse pelgo better it sounds like a Tatooine, you know village but hey Mm -hmm. it's their village not mine but he also tosses in that we don't we don't want I forget what the the bartender says exactly, but he's like, "We don't want any of that trouble." That's big. That's city folk fight. That's city folk fight. Yep. And so they they lower their voices slightly. The deputies off in a distance with the barkeep, um, you know, whispering back and forth, and and essentially Cobb Vance says, "See what I can do." And I love the moment where he says, "We're square." Yeah. And Mandel says. Yeah, we're square. I just thought that was a very gentleman kind of way uh-huh. of, of establishing. It also feels it goes back to that Western, you know, genre of like, yeah, I'm good with you. You're good with me. Okay, we're all good. No one's gonna pull their <laughs> no one's gonna That's pull right. their blasters here. And uh, it just it showed camaraderie and a connection between the two of them. Um, so I, yeah, I. You know, I just, these are two characters that are just, even though we spend a lot more time with Mandalorian than Cobb Vance, I just, oh, I just love these two characters.
0: You know, uh, at the end, uh, it shows how much mutual respect they have for each other, because in any other environment, probably this wouldn't have worked. But he says, you know, I just didn't figure you're not the kind of back down from bullies and uh, he says oh, that with yes. a, he's like he's like poking the bear with playfully but also serious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, Cobb Vanth in his in his charming manner says, "You know, that's you know that's the thing with you may know that big smile as you get away with anything." <laughs> For now, like what that. a great line. What a <laughs> terrific line. So, you know, says, "Things are tough, but I'll see what I can do." Uh mm-hmm. Mandalorian flies away. And then Tom yet again, oh in the world of Star Wars, thank you, Dave Filoni, Jeff Favreau. Something happens that I never, ever, ever thought I would see in a
1: live-action Star Wars. How many shots to the distance did they did they have to do before you rose out of your seat like I did? Okay, Uh <laughs> so when, yeah, the first thing I up. do,
0: the first thing I did as soon as he flies away suddenly the, the literally a beautiful metaphor there's wind a wind of change this is the second time yeah. we've seen wind uh, effectively yeah. used in the oh. story but it because it's a change this is a wind of change it's this is a bad thing it's spinning around the, you know the weather vane moss pelgoor freetown style and you hear a noise and you look up in the distance and you see someone with a trench coat and a hat. Now it's far away. It's far yep. away, but in my mind, I I said, I wish I, I Mason and I were joking that I just need to record myself when we're watching this episode because the, <laughs> the weird things I just exclaim, and I said, it's got to be, it's got to be him. I think that's him. I think that's him. And then I start confusing the name Cobb Vance with Cad Bane, and so the second time they show him. I, I I went from being about 60% sure to 90% sure. And then they show the back of his boots, 99% sure. And Absolutely. then you hear Corey Burton's voice and you say, mm. Holy cow. Holy cow. Holy cow. Holy cow. That is Cad Bane. And then that goes away and you think, Holy crap. He's going to die. No one's going to outdraw him. Tell me what you thought. Cause I, I was like, this was the, this was like, on Facebook Live, here's a teaser for everybody. When you tune in Monday at seven o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, this is my number one moment from a terrific episode: <laughs> seeing him and knowing. He,
1: he's been my favorite bounty hunter before I met the Mandalorian. Oh, I mean, I I, I didn't see it coming. I don't know may, where. I don't know if there was if there was stuff out there that said that this was going to happen or not. Or no idea. If, if yeah. It felt it felt like. I mean, it was brand new to me. The, Same the here. Idea. Same here. And it took the third shot. It was, I, I was zero percent, zero percent back of the boots. I stood with my <laughs> arms in the air, and I and I was like, that's being that changes everything uh-huh. for this moment. Like the hope that that he's going to bring, you know, that he's going to get people to come and help out Boba Fett. I mean, it's a domino effect, what Cad Bane means to this story. Um, and, and oh, you hear the voice, and he doesn't lift his hat, and he never mm-hmm. says he says, I'm Cobb Vance, Who, who's asking? And he doesn't he answer. Says, mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And can I just say, he is horrifying. Yes. In live action he is when he lifts his and you see the red eyes and just that what's creepy to me that I don't get in the animation is the teeth Uh and the lack of a nose Uh it's just scary and the tubes coming into his like neck cheek area oh my goodness but it's so threatening and uh, and and you and you can feel the tension in I forget the actor's name for Cobb. It's Oliphant, but it's what's Timothy his name? Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. He his acting here is is top notch mm-hmm. because as confident as he is, you definitely sense fear in him. I don't know if he knows who Cad Bane is. I didn't catch anything that showed a recognition to it when he lifted his head, but you definitely sense the tension and and a slight bit of fear. However, I don't know. I still think I still think it is it is out, it is out there who's the faster draw because he was clearly distracted by his overactive over I don't know what he is. Is he dope. overprotective? Is, is dope? he dope? Is he yeah. what the deputy? And so, what a moment! What what a Star Wars moment! Mm. What a show and a showdown that we never
0: again. You never. The reason it changes everything, besides the fact that this is, I mean, if this is who they've hired, then you actually, you actually, it's hard to find a threat that you think, oh gosh, they would be a. The Mandalorian or Boba Fett or Santin are in trouble. It's hard to find that. That yeah. doesn't involve a lightsaber. And then you see Cad Bane and you think, never mind. Yep. Never mind. Yep. Never mind. remember what he did to the Bad Batch. So, yeah, that that uh, the reason it changes everything, though, to me, besides that, is if if Cad Bane can show up in live action, anything is possible. Any character from a comic book, from Rebels, from the Clone Wars, from a novel they can show up in star wars live action my hands are actually tingling right now Mm. they're actually tingling because i'm so excited about what that means that is just it's another breathtaking moment this is why and i've said this i don't know if i said this on the show or not but no i did at the beginning this is why this episode is my favorite one hour of television of any show ever just because the emotions i felt the the constant highs and and the shock and the the smiles and the what it all means now? None of this can happen without the buildup of forty plus years of Star Wars and the mythology and and all the different ways we've consumed Star Wars. But mm-hmm. these payoffs are like nothing else. He uh, he says, you know, don't stick your nose in other people's business or something like that. And he says, Cobb says, is that friendly advice, friendly advice or oh. threat? Oh, I there's love so that. much dudeness, so much Western vernacular, mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> Boba, you know. Cad Bane says, with contempt and venom spitting out of, his, out, of his, out of his vocal cords, he says, Boba Fett is a cold blooded killer who worked with the Empire. So then you start to think, does he, does he hate the Empire too? Did, did the Empire do something to him? Maybe they put a crank in his business, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, or is he just touting the company line because the Pikes have paid him well? He says, You should have given up your armor. He's distracted. I still, I mean, as, as well, as good as I think Cobb Banth is, when we see the beginning of the episode, I still don't think anybody's outdrawing Cad Bane. You're right though. The distraction is there, but that is a moment Tom that again, another home run of a home run of a home run moment in Star Wars.
1: Grand slam. It, yeah. It, <laughs> there's some things I, what you said I wanted to uh, talk about. Um, about Cad Bane and his venom for Boba Fett, I just I have to wonder. I, I don't feel like it's a. I don't feel like it's he's buying the line. He's taking the payment from the Pikes, and that's what this is about. Mm-mm, I feel like personal. that's a that's a fringe benefit. This is uh, a personal vendetta. too, and I cannot think. Back in the Clone Wars, that young Boba Fett did anything to, so there's a story. There's a story somewhere, mm-hmm. but Cad Bane also was not a part of that Darth Vader hiring to capture, no um, uh, Han Solo. Yeah, and so maybe he felt slighted there. Who it knows? Yeah, it could be. Who knows what the story is? And hopefully there's a story out there to be told somewhere about Cad Bane because he is one of the most compelling bounty hunters out oh. there. And not no. only did we see him in, in Clone Wars, but then, like you said, in the Bad Batch, he was he was incredible. And I just go back to the Clone Wars. Cad Bane captured Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan Anakin, and Padme. Mm-hmm. Remember he had the oh, I don't yeah. remember the episode yeah. or anybody yeah. he, he captured them. I mean, he is conniving, he is manipulative, he plan, he outplans just about everybody on top of his gunslinging skills. Yep. And if there's if there's a place I, I mean, I can't wait to see a gunslinging scene with Mandalorian, Boba Fett. Maybe Cobb Vance. I don't know if he's dead or not. He, they, they ran to him as if he could be saved. I don't know. But the Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, facing off against Cad Bane, that's going to be a shootout of the ages. If, Get the popcorn, if kids. If it happens. That's yeah. right.
0: Get the for for popcorn. Sure. So the only other thing after this, there's only two moments. One is brief but important. The other mm-hmm. one is brief but insanely important. So the we have a quick viewing of them going of a couple of pikes walking into the mayor's place. Oh. Um, they put down their camtono, and uh, it's a bomb. I mean, this is a classic oh. mob technique. They explode it, and all of a sudden you're like,
1: "Well, so much for Max Rebo's return." Gosh. <laughs> Okay, I wish I'd have taken that direction. Then the innocent lives. Lost. No, I I thought of that first. It's like that was, This is fierce. This is this is this. These guys it mean was, business. It's all out war now, and it's it's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah, it was horror to me. That was horrifying, and and uh, yeah, the family was shaken by that. Um, it's it just felt very real. Mm-hmm. It did. It was probably the most realistic thing in the entire episode. That part. Mm-hmm.
0: It's an act of terrorism. It's yep. an act of war. It's scary. But at the end, we get another fantastic cliffhanger. Luke and Grogu are in, a, in, a, in the hut, and there's a red blanket laying down mm-hmm. between the two of them. And on one side, you've got the small wooden box. On the other side, you've got what we know is the best car for Grogu himself. So Luke says, you, I'm going to let you choose here's this and he shows him this and the D and D player. knew you had to be just thrilled beyond belief. Oh, I thought of you when I saw shirt. that. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, or here's this. And he turns on a small green lightsaber and, and I was like, no way. And Mason, and I high five. I'm like, did he build this for Grogu? That would be, you know, that's not what the Jedi do, but who cares? And then you're like, no, wait, this is this blown to master Yoda. And you think what he's yeah. going to have Yoda's lightsaber. So this is what he says. You can take the arbor and return to the Mandalorian. Uh, you will be giving in to attachment to those you love and forsaking the ways of the Jedi. So he's clearly stacking the deck here, but given the options. But if you're mm-hmm. a Jedi, uh, you will be, you'll get this lightsaber of mm-hmm. Master Yoda. You'll be my first student. You will be a great Jedi. You may never see the Mandalorian again, but a short time in life for you, is a lifetime for other people. What are you right. gonna choose? He looks at both, stands up, looks at the camera, and it's over. So what do you think <sighs> about the choice? And another thing, we've been to, I've been hitting around to this throughout the episode, but is it fair to make someone Grogu's age make that choice? Is he old enough and mature enough to make that choice? He seems old enough to jump and flip, but does that make you mature enough to mm-hmm. do it?
1: I right. don't know. Seems hmm. I thought it was very challenging, um, for, you know, Grogu can't even talk yet. No. And maybe he won't, you know, but, uh, but he seems to understand when you talk to him, but he still is very childlike. He wants to play with the ball on the shifter on the razor crest. You know, he wants to take the probe, you know, droid and roll it around. So he's still very childlike and, um, And so I had the same thought that, boy, this doesn't seem very fair. But what it did for me as a watch as a viewer of the show was, and I, 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 we've talked about this and it just become, it's coming more and more present in the way I think about this show. And that was the show, but about, no, about the show. I'm kind of developing my idea right now here as I'm talking, but this is where I am with it is, is we have, well, the show has presented to us three very deep cultures. One of them, they give us lots of lore on, and that is the lore of the Mandalorian. We've gotten so much lore from them between the Mandalorian season one and two. And then the last episode where the armorer tells us so much information about the, the night of a thousand tears clear back to 10,000 years and the creator of the dark saber and all, you know, we get all that and so we juxtapose that with the, the the culture of the Jedi, and one is about camaraderie and belonging, and the other is about giving up, you know, things that you uh, giving up. Um, oh, what is it? Um, uh, belongings and possessions, attachment, yeah. and and uh, and pledging yourself to the Force and we also have the, the the lore and the culture of the tusken raiders that we learned a lot about in this episode and boba fett is trying to create his own culture so i don't know how those all come together but those are but that is where my mind is right now with this and that's where i see the choice that, that's the choice that grogu is given he's given you can go with the mandalorian be protected in, in the Mandalorian ways with this possession, and it's, you know, and 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 you can do that. That's fine. Or you can take Yoda's lightsaber. And I and I wonder, we we haven't really had any discussion in the show, or I don't know think we've talked about it here on this show, but that that Grogu would remember or would have been with Yoda, right? Doesn't doesn't uh Ahsoka say when they first meet on that planet in, mm-hmm. in the Mandalorian, doesn't she say that? He knew Yoda.
0: Someone like him, yeah.
1: Someone like him. It, it so, seems
0: reasonable to assume that they would have interacted or with Yoda. It uh, seemed crazy that they wouldn't, but sure. there's no official recognition. And they both, yeah. Ahsoka and Luke, talked to him about. But if he's alive during Order 66, well, obviously we know where Yoda is. But Yoda's on yeah. another planet. So who knows how long Grogu's been in that temple.
1: Right. Right. So Yoda, Yoda was on Kashyyyk. And then he went to
0: Horsan to fight the Emperor.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's a very unfair <laughs> feeling situation he's put Grogu into. But at the same time, makes sense. Yeah, you know the, the and maybe the Mandalorian's presence pushed it. You know, uh-huh. I mean, Luke could have hold, could have held on to that, but maybe he senses in Grogu that he saw the ship and he saw the ship take off, and I don't know. But man, when he pulls out Yoda's lightsaber and ignites it and says, this is the lightsaber, of Master Yoda. I don't know. I don't know what caused it inside of me, if it's just the full emotion of, of the entire episode and everything that, it, that has happened in this episode. But like it became sort of emotional to me. Mm-hmm. Like, Like, holy cow, this is an artifact. This yeah. is like a legendary artifact that he's presenting here. And Luke has been carrying with him and so, my goodness, now I wonder what's what happens with Yoda's lightsaber? what's Grogu going to decide and what a what a just a drop off the cliff when they went back to the to the credits I mean, I thought last last episode's end end credits came fast and like hard oh,
0: man. <laughs> perfection oh, again absolute perfection you really can ask for much more i, I don't This episode had so many wonderful things connecting so many parts of the galaxy and bringing so many parts of stars that we love together and tying it up in a nice little bow, but still leaving you questioning and wanting more. It's absolutely exceptional. I mean, I I don't think it's a fair choice, but I also think it's 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 a a sound important choice because it just like he says early in the episode. Don't try. Do it. So this is basically him saying Grogu. If you want to choose, buddy, you go ahead. You can leave. That's mm-hmm. cool. But if you stay, that's what you want. And of course, I'm going to stack to that because I want you to stay because I see your potential and, I, and you'll be a great first student to have. So it, it's, it's the only choice. It's very unfair. But still, so is the Jedi notion of attachment. You know, my, I, I'm still hoping that Luke will suddenly be like, you know what? This attachment thing, this didn't work out so well for previous generations. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should try a different path. And I feel like we kind of see that with Luke in Return of the Jedi, with his friends and stuff like that. So again, you you can't really judge the book until you've read all the chapters. And we haven't read all the chapters. The only other thing Mm -hmm. I want to say before we close this out is seeing Luke repeatedly, I spent half the episode scratching my head saying, who is this actor? Who is this actor? And Mason says, well, it's probably just the same computer stuff they did for season two. And apparently it is. I don't know. At the time of this recording, I don't know even has Mark Hamill's name at the end. The yeah. voice sounded stronger and clearer than season two of Mando, which I thought was excellent, by the way. The CGI looks great. Sometimes it looks like it's still, but it still looks like Mark Hamill. It was eerie and uncanny. Um, and you just start to believe that, okay, Luke Skywalker's just going to be regular. We're just going to see him around. We're going to see him the image of Mark Hamill. So however they did this, however the wizardry of Islem and Lucasum, whatever it was my jaw is absolutely dropped and I'm completely floored by it was already exceptional again at the end of season two, but seeing here it's like, it's another level of, of greatness. It's it's, it's a triumph. It's an absolute storytelling and technical triumph.
1: Oh, I mean, you said it all right there. This was a magnificent episode in my mind. It just, it it blew me away on so many levels. It brings, it brings, it kind of brings, brings, many generations of Star Wars together. I mean, mm-hmm. I love that the Clone Wars are in this. Post-Jedi is in this. The original trilogy is in this. And the just all of the lore and the pieces, uh, artifacts, locations are just... <sighs> Oh man, this this one was just loaded. It this was a treasure trove of Star Wars. It and just you thought you thought very... it worked
0: seeing Luke like that too? Like you thought it was pretty awesome as well.
1: Oh, I did. Yeah. And it didn't, you know, it never dawned on me that, oh, this is this is odd. <laughs> no, I just thought it was great. It was, yeah. it was perfect. It was great storytelling. And I just everything moved forward. The one thing and this is not a this is not a, a downgrade on the episode or anything like that it's more character here the one thing that i thought seemed odd was how uncomfortable boba fett seemed in that administrative role of like commander in general he just seemed sort of out of place really? i felt like he's a soldier he's a soldier not a commander and so i don't know what to make of it i mean i feel like I don't know, it's not I feel like, but I recognize that Fennec Shand is the one that's marching around, describing the situation, going through all the different scenarios. And Boba Fett was just sort of standing there, I felt like, not lost, but just sort of out of place. Hmm. He looks to Nando, gives him the head nod. I love how Al- Nando gives him the head nod, like Boba Fett gave uh, gave somebody the head nod. Leia, it was Leia when she brought brings in um, Chewbacca as uh, the... Uh, Bounty. Yeah. And she looks over at him and, and Boba Fett gives him that like little helmet nod. Mando did the same helmet nod to Boba Fett in this episode. So I don't know. I just found that to be really interesting in my mind. How Boba Fett seems a little out of place. But again, it leaves me wanting more Boba Fett. I want to see the resolution of this. Right. And all the I want to see all how all the pieces come together. I want to see how all of these different threads of Star Wars come together in this, in this war with the Pikes. Fascinating.
0: Absolutely fascinating. Well, it was fascinating, Tom, to hear you break down the episode with me. And I, I love what you brought to the table as always. Please let everybody know where they can reach out to you if they want to ask you any questions about the book of Boba Fett or talk about your amazing podcast, Teachers in the Dungeon.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, if you want to talk about Boba Fett, reach out to me on Twitter at DraftLine, D-R-A-F-T-L-I-N-E. Love to talk more about this and hear your thoughts of Cad Bane and Ahsoka Tano, Luke Skywalker and Grogu training. Oh, my gosh. And, and all of the things with the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. And so reach out to me there. Or if you love adventure, you love stories like the Boba Fett story has been telling, this book of Boba Fett is just an adventure. It's a Western. It's all of these things. Join me on Teachers in the Dungeon, where we break down our Dungeons and Dragons games. We talk Dungeons and Dragons. If Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing is not your thing, or you've never really explored it, come and join us for a couple episodes. We'd love to have you. Uh, Hop on, give us feedback, let us know what you think of the show. And uh, Dan, I can't wait to talk about the Book of Boba Fett again next week.
0: I can't either. And if you want to weigh in and have your voice shared throughout the the podcast Galaxy Airwaves, be sure to join me next Monday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Mm -hmm. Standard Time for Facebook Live and get your top five lists ready of your most powerful favorite moments from this Chapter. Until next time, everybody, remember this is the podcast you're looking for.